Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments. Mitchell is a thought leader, entrepreneur, and TEDx speaker who helps you think big and lead an authentic life. Each week, Mitchell gives leaders the inspiration they need to make a greater impact and share their genius with the world. Now, here's Mitchell Levy. Hi, Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert. And on this episode of Mitchell Levy Presents Our Moments, we're taking a show uh, from the archives. It is uh, from the series uh, Grow Your 1099 with Josh Jones and Mitchell Levy. And it's has as a guest a guy by the name of Clint Cushing. Clint is a door-to-door sales guy who just blew the socks over first-year alarm sales in the country. Uh, typical alarm sales, really good alarm sales guy doing a summer job would make 20000 He made 180000 during the summer. You got to listen to his story. Very disciplined, very approached, very entertaining. And if you like what you hear, please uh, share the episode, like what you hear, and uh, subscribe to our channel. Hi, Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy at AHA That. And I'm with my favorite Grow Your 1099 direct selling guy, Josh Jones. Hello, everybody. We are excited to have Clint Cushing on our show. I want to introduce him. So I've known Clint for actually not too long, a year, year and a half, probably. And uh, he worked with my company for a little bit. He's now the director of revenue for um, actually a competitor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so I, I wanted to bring Clint on to the show today because he has a super impressive resume, one of the most impressive resumes I've ever seen. Um, he was one of the top alarm sales reps in the entire industry as a rookie. So he set a record as one of the top and held that record for years and years and years. And um, I just actually want to hear hear a little bit about that. And just um, just to get started, I want to hear a little bit about that introduction that you had to door to door. Yeah, no, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me on and Mitchell appreciate it. Um, So yeah, I've been, um, I got re a little backdrop of my story. I um, served a mission for my church in Minnesota, was a missionary for two years there and went, ended up going to Idaho to a university um, and got recruited uh, by some guys that told me I could go sell home security and make a bunch of money. And if I did really well, I could make $20,000 that summer, which sounded a lot better than the 10 or $12 an hour I was going to make doing construction um, in Idaho. So, um, so anyway, I took them up on the offer. Um, coincidentally, they were going back to Minnesota to where I had just been as a missionary and thought it'd be fun to be a civilian in that same, you know, neck part of part of the world. And um, so I went back for all the wrong reasons. The manager happened to be a cousin to a girl I was trying to date and thought I could score some points with the family. But so I went back and had a really good uh, experience. My um, I was super disciplined and had a, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have anything else to do than work. And, you know, we had this schedule of, um, you know, guys would go out in the afternoon and get on the doors, Josh, like they normally do when people are home. And I kind of took this a different approach of there's nothing else for me to do in Minnesota. So I'm just going to work super hard. So I worked about, about four out of the six days a week. I worked like a Saturday. So just from nine to nine, um, or 10 to nine and, and said, I'm going to outwork everybody. And so my, uh, you know, average sales rep with the guy, Josh, uh, or average sales, first year sales rep did about 70 accounts in a summer. I 
uh, my first summer, about four and a half months later, ended up with 335 accounts. So mm-hmm. made a little over $180,000 in a snowmobile and a four-wheeler and a bunch of other goodies. <clears throat> and so coming from a place where, you know, my dad is a truck driver, my mom's a waitress. Uh, so I got back home and, you know, walked in and at the time, you know, they were printing off our bonus checks. And my bonus checks was at the end of the summer was still north of six figures. And I walk in the door with the, you know, my parents' house, I was still living at home, obviously. And, um, you know, uh, a truck pulls in the driveway and we're backing a snowmobile off and a four-wheeler from our year-end party. And I have a check for six figures in my pocket and I walk in the door. My dad's like, what, you know, what were you selling this summer? Was it legal? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so that's how I got my start in the business. So I kind of became the poster child for our company. It was very easy for me to go back to college the next year and recruit my friends. Um, I did everything you shouldn't do with $180,000, but I was an uneducated, uh, you know, um, young kid in college in Idaho. So in Idaho, you bought lifted trucks with lots of horsepower and big tires and you rode snowmobiles in the winter while you went to school and you can't go snowmobiling by yourself, Josh. So I had to buy two or three of them. (laughs) So a bunch of depreciating assets, really incredible investments. Um, and so, you know, by the next summer, I was still hungry to make more money um, after those smart investments. And so it was really easy for me to attract a bunch of guys uh, to say, hey, come do what I did and build a team. And um, the rest, I say, is, is history. It's, but, you know, that's how I kind of got my start. So um, that helps kind of give you a little backdrop. You know, that's, that's something that I've, I've seen that a lot of the top recruiters, they have toys. They, they really have toys. And that seems to be... It's almost like when you're dating somebody, the first thing that att- attracts you to them are the the physical aspects of it. It's like, oh man, like you're you're gorgeous. I want to date you, and then you actually get to know it. You actually get you know a little bit more depth behind it. But I feel like the top recruiters that I've seen in sales have some kind of a toy. There's some kind of a physical attraction that draws other people to it. Do you, do you think that those helped with your recruiting or not? Yeah, no, I think so. I think what it does is people, you know, people, there's a little bit of shock factor, right? Of like, wait, you're a freshman in college. You shouldn't have a $60,000 truck and a snowmobile trailer with four snowmobiles. Like what, like what is this guy doing and whatever he's doing, I can do better. And I don't understand how this kid is making money. So you know, it, it obviously provokes the question of like, hey, what are, what are you doing? Which obviously in, in recruiting, that's that's part of the game. And so I think it helps. I think, I think um, you know, there people kind of see through that stuff a little bit. These days, it's become so common that, you know, you, you can kind of find out and sift through who's really got money or who just has a facade of, mm-hmm. of what they're making money. But it certainly provokes the question. So I think it helps. I think it helps to turn ahead. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think, you know, people make decisions on who they follow based on way more than that. Similar to where, you know, who you marry or who you decide to date. Yeah. You, know, you eventually kind of find out who they are. But it certainly turns heads. It, it, gets, it gets that initial start going. Well, I had a, I had a question, Clint. Is that in retrospect, because the way you say it, you're, you're saying it half-heartedly when you say about these depreciating assets that you purchased, would you have spent, if you look back now, with what you know now, would you have spent all that money on that stuff? Was that the right thing to do? What would you recommend to other people who just all of a sudden have a windfall they didn't expect? 
No, I mean, <laughs> so I, you know, with the, with the dad as a truck driver, my mom's waitress, no, no disrespect. Absolutely love my parents, learned all my work ethic from them, but I was uneducated in, in what to do with money. Right. So of course, for me, it was, let's go buy toys that I didn't have in retrospect. Would I do it again? Uh, we had a lot of fun. So I'd hate to erase those memories from, you know, my, 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 my me growing up, but I probably, what would have been nice is to have somebody that would have given me some advice to go make some investments um, and, you know, and then go spend some of the interest or the return on my investments, kind of use that money to go buy those toys and then not, you know, actually depreciate, you know, deplenish kind of the, the source of the, you know, of, of, of the investment. So, so where, where did, where did that mentality come from that you just said that you have now? What developed that difference in attitude that you have? Yeah, no, I mean, I think over time you start noticing the vast difference between, you know, especially in, in, in the game of door-to-door sales. If, you know, when you're 14 summers in or 10 summers in, you're seeing, you know, you, you just recognize habits that people have. And I, I, you know, you learn from guys that are, you know, Hey, the guy that doesn't have the fancy car that's making the best investments, you know, by year two or three or four, this guy's got, you know, a dozen rental properties and he's got a recurring amount of money that's coming in uh, because he's made good decisions. And, you know, and you, and you contrast that with guys that are constantly burning through, you know, their paychecks and hungry to go make it again the next year. And you, and so it, you know, it makes you think, you know, what's the difference? And, you know, obviously there's lots of good books out there on, you know, um, how to spend your money and, you know, like rich dad, poor dad, there's several kind of things that people can do to kind of learn the best ways. But, you know, I think money's a language um, and it needs to be learned and it, uh, you know, there's lots of good sources to teach you that language. I, I love that money's a language. I love that by the way. It's a, but just, so you know, that's a great aha message. <laughs> That man, money's a language and it needs to be learned. I didn't, that just, that, that makes me think about all of the the thoughts that I have about money and all the things that I've tried to share with people. And it, it really is. It's something that, especially for salespeople just getting started, they've, they have to, they have to learn a lot of it from that, that experience that you said, where it was like, you didn't necessarily have somebody tell you it. It was just, wait, I see what everybody else is doing and (laughs) what I'm doing right now. If I did that, I would, I would be, I wouldn't have to knock doors as much (laughs) and I'd still be able to get the same, same results if I just took my money and had my money work for me. So Clint, tell me the, your first summer, you did four and a half times greater selling than anyone had ever done. And then of course you, you have built up a bunch of teams. So, so clearly there's some values and thought processes and approaches that you share with your teams to help them be successful. Uh, Can you share a couple with us? Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I obviously, the question I got at the end of the summer was how you did it, right? That was the most common question. And it was always, you know, everyone was looking for like, you know, some, like I was going to give them one line, you know, it was just like, Oh, this is what I said. Or there was like some hidden like unicorn thing that I did that everybody else didn't do. And, you know, I really had to think of, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, unconsciously competent, I guess I was like, I don't really know how to, I couldn't consciously tell you how I was competent and did what I did. And I've had to kind of think, you know, now since then, and obviously at the end of the summer, I had to think about like, what was I doing that was so much different? And I kind of boiled it down to, you know, I hate to say it's, you know, it was just hard work, but it was, it was a combination of two things. It was hard work. I outworked everybody, right? I, two thirds of my summer, I worked like Saturdays, everybody else wasn't doing the same thing. 
So that helped, but it wasn't in the extra time. Cause if you, if you did the math, right, it's like, Hey, he worked an extra, say 50% more time. Well, maybe he should math would maybe suggest that I would have got 50% or twice as much. Right. Um, you know, uh, more sales. Then, then you would and have I, been up to a hundred sales versus three thirty-five, right? Right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. So that doesn't make sense. But but what what I what it was it was a combination of the hard work and then your competence that, that that came as a result of hard work. And what I mean by that is, you know, in a given in a given week, for example, if you know if um, if I went out early, and the extra hours that I worked early, I probably only gained uh, in a given week two or three cells early in that week, right? right? In the, so verse when everyone else is getting out on the doors and starting their work day, I probably only picked up two extra cells a week during that time. But what happened, maybe, maybe three, but what happened when you got a cell and everyone that's been in cells knows this, when is your confidence the highest? Your confidence is through the roost the second you walk out of a cell, right? And so what would happen on those two or three days that I'd get a big, a good cell is I'd walk out of the house with swagger. I'd have my head high. I'd have be confident as ever. And then what happened during the next four or five hours during prime time was I was the most confident dude in the neighborhood going to the door and everybody felt that people, people, you know, and so what would happen on those days, it wasn't the two or three extra cells. It was during prime time when it mattered, I was getting two, three, four, five, six cells that day. And that was the difference maker. So it was a combination of the hard work and then leveraging confidence um, at the right times that made all the difference. Wow. That, that actually, I'm, I just started a new book, the, the motivation myth. Yeah. And he talks about that. He talks about how there's these little wins that you have all throughout your day, just consistently having these little wins that make all the difference for people to stay motivated. Um, And so that, that actually fits in exactly with what you're saying right now. Hmm. It's, you, you basically, learn that formula just by having the hard work. Yep. So you, you put in the hard work and then all of a sudden it just naturally happened. And then that confidence was there because it was like you were at two or three when everybody else was at one or zero. Yep. And it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm beating everybody. Yep. And then you knew, you knew you were the best going into the the most important time of day. That's, that's, that is money right there. Yeah. And you have the added, you know, if you've got a couple of deals on the day, I mean, everyone knows if uh, in any sales, you know, anyone that's in straight commission sales knows that, you know, the beginning of the day, there's lots of pressure on yourself to go get a sell, get a sell, get a sell, get a sell to get the monkey off your back. And once the monkey's off your back, you're a little bit more chill. And, and that, and that, you know, that, that feeling you have, the confidence you have and kind of your whole attitude and persona, like that changes how you interact with customers, right? Because you, you, you go to the next door, you go, you talk to the next customer with this attitude of indifference. Like, like, I don't really care if you buy this from me or not. Like, and, and, and then you become the less pushy salesman, right? You're, you're, you're creating value, but you're also not super pushy. And you find out pretty quickly that, man, I can pull the takeaway. And it's like, I, they know that I don't care that much for this, and they actually want it. It's an interesting dynamic. It's people want what they can't have. And, you know, sometimes as salespeople, we constantly are trying to push, push, push. And you drop, pull back, you know, and you get the guy, no, 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 no. And you're like, ah, cool. I'm not sure. You know, it's not a big deal. I'm not sure you guys even qualify. You know, I'm going to do set up a couple of people here regardless. And you kind of pull back. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait, what do you mean? Like, you know, what do we got to do to make this done? And you, you find out that it's hard to do when you're absolutely desperate for a sell. And, you know, that may be the difference of a check next week. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it changes, I think it changes your whole attitude today. So for your typical everyday average salesperson, the best advice you can give them is get the monkey off your back 
as soon as you possibly can. Absolutely. And, and then what that does is their attitude turns around to the point where I, I actually don't care. I already, I already got a sale today. If I don't get this sale, I'm totally fine because I'm walking away with one. Right. Yeah. Yep. Monkeys off the back. And then, you know, the other piece of advice I'd give is just, you know, it didn't matter what time of day I'd walk out of a, you know, a cell. I'd always make sure I, you know, within, within minutes I would get in front of another customer because your confidence tends to dwindle, right? After, you know, after a sell, it's a peak, you know, and, and some guys would create this habit of sweet. I was successful. I'm going to go call mom. Let me call my girlfriend. Let me tell the world how great I am, update Facebook or whatever. And the guys that were smart with that confidence were jogging to the next door, right? And getting in front of a customer as quick as possible before that, that confidence kind of diminished. Well, I remember, remember selling, selling alarms. It seemed like it was easier to sell three than it was to sell one. No question. No question. <laughs> but, cause, cause the thing is getting to that point where you sold one in a day, if you only sold one in the, in a day, it was like, man, this day sucked. I'd spent all this so time hard. just to get one. Yep. But if you got one early, then you would get another one right after. And then another one right after that. And it's just, it's just a matter of running out of time. Did I run out of time before I got to that first one? Yeah. And it's, and I don't want to drag the topic on further than you want to drag it on here, but it's, it's super interesting. If you, you know, Josh, you and I've been there in summers, guys that have sold, you know, door to door or sells at all. Like they've gone a day with a bagel, right? Where you've, we've got come home with nothing. And you know, you, the next day on the doors, how are you? It's a little timid. You got two monkeys on your back. I've got a lot of bit more pressure. And if you come home, you know, that day with two, you know, you're like, holy cow, right? Maybe I should be worrying. And by day three, if you get three days in a row that you come home with zero, you know, you're starting to question, re-question your life. Should I update my resume? Like, what's going on? Like, is this even the business I should be in? Uh-huh. And you just really honestly, like, I've had those moments where you're like, dude, I'm seriously should be, I'm like rethinking my life here. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not as educated as the rest of the world out there. This was a, what I was going to provide, you know, how I was going to provide for my family. And you start freaking out. And then you get the one cell and you're just like, dude, this is the best job ever. Like I can do this. And then they start coming and you know, it's hard to get, it's, it's confidence. It's hard to fake. And, um, I, I can't, you know, stress enough just the value of maximizing and taking advantage of that confidence when it's highest. So I, uh, when I first started selling alarms, I shadowed for one day for like, you know, six hours, seven hours, whatever it was shadowed for one day. And then I bageled my first three days and then had to beg for my first one that, that fourth day. Yep. And then the next day I got two. So for you, that first week, do you remember that very first week? <laughs> yeah. How did that, how did that go for you? Yeah, it's not, um, I do remember that first week. So on Monday, it was interesting on Monday, uh, you know, we all, we all got there, got moved in on a weekend on Monday, we woke up and it was pouring rain and our manager, uh, <laughs> my manager decided that, uh, he was going to take the day to train. And so he's like, we're not even on the, we're not even going in the field today. I'm just going to teach you guys everything. And I'm like, looking back, it was probably bad advice. Like teach people that on rainy days you take off, but um, you know, and so the next morning, uh, one of the presidents and founders of the company actually showed up for a correlation. He was like, let's do this. And so, yeah, I went out to a neighborhood and uh, my first day I actually sold two. And then so in the first uh, 10 days, um, you know, and I fumbled through it, didn't have a clue what I was doing. And then once again, just sprinted to the next door and screwed up the paperwork on that one, but got a sale. But you know, I, you know, in the, in five days, I remember going to, you know, uh, to church that weekend and there were some other summer sales guys from a different company at the church and uh, asked me how the first week went. And I'm like, I think it went all right. I got 10 uh, in five days. And, you know, they're like, that's pretty good. And uh, you know, so, so that, that's how my first week went. So not, not, I don't have like the, I, you know, I, 
I absolutely was terrible and I finally fought through this and it took a month. But you know, I certainly do remember that, you know, there were times, you know, in my life of managing where, you know, it was just, it took forever for some people. I had a kid go a whole entire month with zero cells and his brother, who was probably less charismatic, less qualified, was actually having success. And um, they finally you know, had those breakthrough moments, but it was not, that was not the same for me. That's not how it worked for me. Oh, work. So you, you from the beginning, so there's, there was something going into it before that got you to that point. So the hard work was one thing. Yep. And then did you start out the very first week working those hours? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know if I did. I kind of followed routine, I think the first week. Um, and then, you know, uh, we, they wanted us to kind of go in groups and stuff like that. But once I became independent and wanted to work additional hours and stuff like that, I started driving out on my own and being a little bit more in control of my schedule. But, um, no, I kind of fall routine. I mean, you ask leading up to that. I mean, I had some experience in retail. I mean, I worked a job at the, the buckle in high school. So I had a little bit of sales experience that way. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's, that's, that gives you an idea. Yeah. And just as a manager, as you started recruiting teams, what, what was that special sauce? I mean, it's, we, obviously you told them the stories you just told us right now, but what, what was it that got people a attracted to you as part of your team and then successful at selling? Yeah. So, I mean, that was the test for me, right? Was, it was, Hey, can you go duplicate yourself? Like fantastic. You did a great job. Once again, I felt like I was unconsciously competent, but could I then go teach people how to do the same thing? And, you know, that was, that was of course my goal that next summer, you know, as far as how, how it got started, you know, how, how it got started, I will say, you know, one of the main things in, you know, in recruiting people is, is you have to be someone other people want to be, right? I mean, obviously kind of goes without saying, but likes attract likes. So successful people attract other successful people or want to be successful. And so recruiting was easy. I mean, when are you, when is your easiest recruiting moment? And, um, you know, it's always, it's always um, after your best performance, right? I mean, I, you know, it was funny because it was, we're talking about the world of summer sales. My years where I had the easiest time recruiting was when I had a great summer and I could point to the scoreboard and say, hey, here was 11 guys that all did 200 accounts and, you know, on our team of 20 and we did, you know, 2,500 or 2,800 accounts this summer. Here's our stats. Cause you, and I think, you know, I can't, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, how did I duplicate it and all that stuff? It's you're, you're constantly writing your recruiting story for tomorrow today. Hmm. And, and people are, you know, people are going to look at that and measure that. And every year it was every summer, it was every season we were writing our recruiting story for the next year. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Sorry. I maybe got off topic. I'm not sure if that responded to the question, but um, you can clarify. Repeat. Yeah. I think it was great. Well, you said you had said, to be a, a to be a good salesperson, you want to see if you could duplicate yourself. Yep. And there are two things that you focused on. One is being able to recruit people by being the best person you could be and showing them that. And then I don't think you got to two. So how to duplicate? Yeah, I mean, it was you know we had to identify, kind of had to break down, you know, what were the specific things I was doing, and you know, once again, going back to the question, I kept getting asked after the first summer of what was the difference maker. Um, it was that it was, and that was the tough, it was what we had to teach was guys, if you want to, if you want to be average, do what the, everyone else is doing. If you want to be above average, like the two things you got to do, spend more time and you got to leverage confidence. And so that was really kind of like the main things I said. Now, obviously improving skills and, and all of that stuff is all important, you know, in the blocking and tackling and just the, the normal stuff still happened. But, 
you know, I think, you know, the lesson really is like, you got to, you got to go do something above and beyond and dramatically different if you want different results. And um, those are the two things we focused on, you know, and we were so coming back, we were able to build a team where we, you know, like I said, we had six or seven um, guys, I think that first year who ended up over 200 accounts, which was pretty good. I mean, these were first, some of them first year reps um, that ended up with that many sales. And so, um, you know, I think there's, they learned a lot just being around and there's things like, once again, when you're not super conscious of like exactly what you do that makes all the difference, um, you know, just being around guys, they were able to kind of pick up things that you didn't even know was like making a difference, you know? So, wow. Beautiful. Interesting. Those, those two things that you said, it seems like, well, selling the actual product. So the alarms, those two things of work harder and that hard work builds confidence, which starts this, this awesome cycle, this awesome momentum. It's the same thing. It sounds like with the recruiting, which is basically, it's another sale Yep. where you go out, you work really hard that summer that builds your confidence. And then the momentum starts and the recruiting gets easier and easier. No question. No question. Hmm. Amazing. Hey, so we've, we've hit the end of our, talk is based on this conversation so far, Clint, is there some question we should have asked you that we didn't, or is there a way you'd like to wrap up? Um, and of course, if people are interested and want to uh, reach out to you, how best do they do that? So is there, is there a question we should have asked you that we didn't, or, or how'd you like to summarize? Yeah, no, I mean, um, guys out there wanting to improve their 1099. I love the business of direct sales. I love the ability to go right in your paycheck and earn what you're worth. And, you know, I guess if I could leave anyone with any advice is, you know, go do something, go do something above and beyond. You know, there's only so many hours of the day. So, you know, you have to start thinking smart, not just working hard, obviously, but, but you, you, I'll never, never, underestimate the power of just hard, hard work and, and, uh, creating super good habits that way. Um, I know it sounds cliche, but that's, that, that's key. And then figure out a way to maximize and utilize your confidence. And so, yeah, I mean, outside of those two things, um, I love, you know, love the business. I think, um, um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love waking up in the morning with a blank scoreboard and whatever we kill that day is what we eat. And, um, it's a fun business to be in. And, um, yeah, those are probably the two things, two nuggets, I guess I'd leave you with. If people want to reach out, um, I'm going to update my, uh, update my LinkedIn profile. Thanks to some, some nudging from Mitchell here. Uh, so I will be doing that, but, uh, yeah, Clint Cushing and, uh, um, you can look me up that way or, um, Facebook as well. So, so I, uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to bring Clint onto the show is cause he, out of all the people I've met in my life, he is top three for most swagger <laughs> out of people that I've met. I think, I think the name of this episode should be swagger because um, Clint, Clint absolutely exudes that swagger, that confidence. And, um, and he, he, he deserves that because of the hard work that he's put in. So um, thanks so much for, for coming thanks on, for the, having on me. the show, Clint. Yeah, and, it's, been uh, treat. it's been uh, another excellent episode of grow your 1099. I absolutely love that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, same with Josh Jones. You could just Google you and find you everywhere. Um, and and uh, and for me, uh, Mitchell Levy. Feel free just to Google me. Connect to me on social. And Clint, thank you so much. It was. It's so interesting on 
the when you think about the the skill sets that you're talking about at the end of the day, this is not just for direct selling. This is for anyone in life. And it's it's powerful when I start thinking about that. And and for me, I guarantee you that the next time so I, I notice that people like to hang around me when I'm exuding confidence because something amazing happened. And but I should be selling the next thing. And so the next time that happens, I'm going to do exactly what you said and I'm going to see what happens with it. So good luck. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us at this episode of Grow Your 10 Day 9. Look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Take care. This is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grow Your 1099, where Josh Jones and I are helping to propel the door-to-door sales industry as one that's a great occupation. To learn more about Grow Your 1099, go to http colon slash slash aha dot pub slash grow your 1099. And to learn more about creating and sharing your aha moments, go to aha that dot com slash author, where you can also find a link to book strategy session. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.